we're starting a new series, and it's called um, Telos. You're probably like, what does that mean? Well, it means ultimate object or ultimate aim. And the whole idea behind this is we're going to be talking about the temptations of Jesus Christ. Because those temptations kind of form the major um, uh, major trans- uh, temptations that every one of us go through. Um, so we'll be looking at that over the next couple of, of uh, weeks. Um, and then the second half of the series, we'll be looking at actually Deuteronomy. Because during those temptations, what actually, when Jesus, when he was being tempted, as we will see, by the devil, he quoted um, passages from Deuteronomy. So we're going to deconstruct what happened here in the temptations in the book of Matthew, and then we're going to reconstruct what is Jesus actually saying? What does that mean for us, for the way we ought to live our lives? Um, so today we'll be reading from Matthew verse 4, um, um, not verse 4, chapter 4, verse 1 to verse 4. So if you have your Bible, turn with me as we read together. Matthew 1, oh gosh, Matthew 4, verse 1 to 4. This is what it says. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, and he said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Would you pray with me? Again. Oh, goodness. I'm sorry, guys. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it brings life to us. And I pray even now that your word would bring life that you would rejuvenate our hearts, you would stir up our souls, that we will once again be alive in you. And we would recognize, God, that you are calling us to a better way, calling us to live the way of Jesus. And I pray, God, today that you would convict us, you would encourage us, and that you would help us to face those temptations that seek to come our way and seek to deter us from your will. Pray you help us today and speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so the, the last couple of weeks, um, like I said, I've kind of been out of it. So I had my ankle injury. I was... Uh, pretty much in my couch all day because I couldn't move in my hard cast. And one of the things I did was watch documentaries. I watched Blue Planet. I've watched Cosmos. <laughs> it was amazing. And then there was this documentary that I watched on Netflix called The American Meme. And it's looking at all these uh, social influencers, you know, people who are some of the biggest influences on social media, Paris Hilton, 
uh, Emily with her long last name, I don't know what it is, and, um, uh, and Fat Joe or Fat Jew, I, I don't know, yeah, <laughs> one of them. Uh, but it was so fascinating because, you know, I saw the pressure that they had, the pressure it took, the pressure to conform and to try and build a platform and try to come up with new material and try and, and, and just to, to, to be uh, hip and in and to get, gain more followers. There was this pressure and pressure. And, and you could see that they were falling. They were tired. One, one of the guys, he was a DJ. He was tired, but he kept going and going and going after it. And one of the ladies, she was losing followers, and she's like, yeah, I'm done. I'm pretty much at the end of my road. I've tried my best. I don't think I can make it anywhere. Then after that, I watched another documentary, Avicii. Avicii is this famous DJ um, who just rose like, to fame just really quickly, talented, beyond, like really talented dude. But he was doing show after show after show after show, and he, you can see it in him. He was getting tired. You, you, it was like, you know, I don't know if you guys know him. He, he passed away. He committed suicide. He was doing show after show. And watching it, you're like, wow, this guy is literally dying in our eyes. He's literally dying. Because he's trying so much to keep up with the demand on his life. With the, 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 the work hours and the, the, the amount of time he has to spend on, on, on all those things. Uh, there was something I read in the New, York, uh, New Yorker, and it, it, the, this person who wrote it was quoting from another movie, and she said this She's like, Each of them, they're fighting down pain, exhaustion, weariness, struggling to keep going, battling. To win. Because we saw them before our eyes fading, fading away because of the pressure. You know, that's one of the things I see about even our country as um, maybe people in our vocation, people that work in New York City, there's the pressure to make it, to conform. And in, in many ways, we, we, we're raised to believe this lie that if it, we can do anything we want, we can achieve whatever we want, whatever we desire, we can be famous, we can make it, we can become influencers. And we're tempted to go and go and go without resting. There's the illusion that we are limitless, that we can do whatever we want. Honestly, I think the illusion of success and relevance, they're so blinding. At the same time, they're so alluring to us. But what ends up happening is that this illusion becomes intertwined with our identity. This illusion that we can be successful becomes intertwined with who we are. At the same time, it drains us. It asks for more of us. 
And I think this is what Jesus, in this passage, it might be difficult for us to see, but I'm going to unpack this, that this is what Jesus is wrestling against. Is my identity going to be uh, uh, rooted or intertwined with my performance in what I do? Or is it going to be rooted with God, in God? I think Jesus shows us the better way. That an identity that is rooted in God is that true identity that God has created for us. And what the culture, what our society tries to bring our way is this lie, is this illusion that I am what I do. I am what I do. That my identity is rooted in my performance. So here's what we're going to look at at today. Is what exactly is this temptation? I'm going to unpack that. What is it? How does that make sense with this temptation? Why is that relevant for us? And then how can we actually be live free out of this temptation? So what is this temptation about? First, um, in this passage we just read in Matthew chapter four verse one, there are actually there's actually a lot of subtle intricacies that is happening in the passage that that will help shape how we should think about it. First thing is this: is um, it talks about Jesus, right? It says one of the first things it says is that Jesus was fasting for forty days and forty nights. Right, he was led into the wilderness. He was led into the desert, and and um, he was asked to turn stones uh, into bread. Now, this is actually uh, very reminiscent of another passage in Exodus, where and for Israel, when you see look at the book of Exodus, you see that Israel, um, sorry, Moses fasted for forty days and forty nights. He fasted for 40 days so that he could come, and he came back actually with the law, the the Ten Commandments and the law. We see that uh, the the people of Israel were in this wilderness for 40 years and 40, uh, not not 40 nights, 40 years. (laughs) Um, We also see that they were tested. It says in the scripture in Exodus that they were tested while they were in the wilderness. And then while they were in the wilderness, God gave them bread. Manna, it was called. He gave them bread. See, there's this parallel. You see that Jesus did the same thing. He fasted for 40 days. He was tempted by the devil. And in this temptation, he was asked to turn stones into bread. There's this parallel. Why, what, why, what does that mean for us? Well, it means this, that Jesus is now for us the true Israel. Jesus is now for us the one who actually brought redemption to us. Because he, he went through all these things and he came out, right, He faithful. He lived in obedience. Israel, on the other hand, did not. They were found wanting. So you see this parallel where Jesus is now coming into our world. But yet he goes through these temptations And yet we see that he was faithful to the end. He was obedient to the end. 
what the Israelites could not do for themselves, Jesus has now done that for us. Now, looking specifically at this uh, temptation, the turning of bread into stones, or, or stones into bread. I think for many of us, when we look at that, we say, oh, this is trivial. This makes no sense. Uh, he, you know, he could have easily said no to it, right? Um, this, that's a piece of cake. That's not a true temptation. I could easily say no. But I think what we have to miss, what we have to get in the context of this text is that Jesus is actually hungry. Like, have you ever fasted? Has anyone ever fasted for 40 days? Probably no one here. I haven't either. I think the most I tried, I tried 21 days and I fainted the second day. I'm not even kidding. I literally fainted. <laughs> and I, was, I woke up screaming, Daddy! <laughs> uh, but it's, it's hard. It's, it's not an easy thing to do. So when coming out of, of uh, 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 fasting for 40 days, you are hungry, right? He's a human being. He was hungry. So this was actually very tempting. Secondly, um, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, so anyway, this was, this was, he was at a very vulnerable uh, stage in his life because he was really hungry. He was literally hungry. And he probably was thinking of bread because bread was one of their staple meals at that time. So the act of even this devil coming to them and saying, Turn, do this, turn bread, stone into bread, was not only cunning, but it was brilliant. It was actually a brilliant uh, temptation. Because Jesus could easily have done, yeah, I'm, that's it. I'm just going to do it because I'm, I'm really hungry. But here's the thing. What, what, what the devil was trying to get at here, this temptation was actually more than just food. It's more than just that. He was actually trying to get Jesus to prove that he is the son of God. He was trying to get at the core of his, his identity. What is the core of his identity? So at the heart of the temptation is the Lord that Jesus could find significance in what he does. Finding significance in his ability to turn stone into bread. That is the core of this temptation. Because if Jesus had heeded this temptation, then it would have shown us that, oh no, the core of his identity is in his performance, not in who God is says he is. And I think this carries a lot of uh, a weighty implication for us. Because one of the things that it, it carries for us is this pressure to conform to what people expect of us, to what people think we should be like. This week, um, I did something, oh, I started to do something that um, some people would think so mostly passes we think was uh, is an uh, impediment to my career or my job. I started turning off, deactivating my social accounts. Um, which you know, if you guys follow pastors, you're like, what? 
Why do you do that? That's the place where you're like telling everybody about your life, how cool I am. Look at my kids. I don't have kids yet, but, you know, when I have kids, posting pictures about them. So you guys would say, oh, wow, Craig is so awesome and so cool. And I would post my wonderful quotes, you know, that, you, you know, everyone would share. And, you know, like that's what, that's what pastors are supposed to do. So the very act of me deactivating it is, uh, I don't know, it, it is hard. But I realize I need to do that because there's this pressure as a pastor that I feel that I need to be like. This is what a pastor should be. You know, there's a kind of like um, a job description. You know, social media aficionado should be like number one. And I'm like, I can't do that. This is too much, too much pressure. So I started deactivating started ending it because I started to feel this, there's this feeling that, I mean, honestly, there is this, this pressure I feel even on my shoulders, like, oh man, I, this is how I am supposed to be. This is the way I'm supposed to be. And if I'm not living up to that standard, then I'm failing. That very idea tells you, the fact that I was feeling that tells you that I'm starting to feel that I am, the core of my identity is what I do, is my performance, is how I look, is how I speak, is, it's, you know, the, the things I share with you. I am what I do, and I'm starting to feel that. I'm like, no, I got to turn this off. I got to turn this off. And that's the pressure that, that, that the devil is actually bringing on Jesus. That, no, you are. You should be what you do. You're, the core of your identity should be in your performance. And I think that's the pressure a lot of us feel in our workplace. In, in our workplace that, that, that seeks to drain us and want more of us. They want, they want you to believe that you are what you do. That the core of your identity is in your performance. And then this is what, what ends up happening. Two things I, I would share briefly about what, what ends up, how this manifests itself. Number one, it manifests itself externally. Where you find yourself in indulging in unhealthy appetites. I'll give you one example. One, one of... My unhealthy appetite is to exaggerate, right? That's a, just so you know, all pastors do this. We all exaggerate because we want to conform to this idea. Oh, yeah, we had, you know, uh, you know like if I were to talk to some of my pastor friends, oh, yeah, we raised over $70,000. No, that's not true, right? Because we're just trying to one-up each other. You know, we, we want to show that, oh, this is what I did. Or... Why? You know, there, were, there was over 200 people at church today. It was so amazing. It's not true. <laughs> but we, 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 you know, we like to do that. We like to exaggerate. That's an unhealthy appetite. I don't know. What is it for you? Well, like, what do you feel like you do at your workplace, maybe with your coworkers, trying to one-up each other, right? At the end of the day, what does that show? That I am what I do that the core of my identity is based on my performance. 
Maybe one of the things you might do is eat a lot. I do that too when I'm stressed out, when I feel like I'm not living up to the standard of what a pastor should be like. Food becomes comforting, so I eat it. Maybe you find yourself drinking, over-drinking to soothe the pain, the pressure that you feel from work. Maybe it's some kind of sexual addiction, to, again, to soothe the pain and the pressure you feel from your friends, your family, your coworkers. You end up indulging in unhealthy appetites. But at the end of the day, these unhealthy appetites you see on the surface are only symptomatic of something that's happening inside. These are just external factors of what's going on inside. So we go to number two, um, uh, internally, is what's happening is that you're living out this identity. I am what I do. You become self-reliant. I don't know if I don't know about you. If many, I I, I kind of did, grew you know grew up thinking, trying to secure love from my parents by the things that I did, right? Bringing good grades at home, um, you know, making sure I did well. Because when I did that, I saw my parents. Oh wow, yeah, good job. I felt secure in my love. I felt like, oh, yeah, I can earn my love by what I did for them. By trying to, I actually did this, trying to, like, you know, look better than my siblings. Like, look, I am smarter than my siblings. They're, look at their grades. Look at my grades. You know, and, you know, I, I would get the affection and the affirmation that I need. I don't know if you grew up that way. And if you did, honestly, what happens, when, what ends up happening is you continue to find, even as an adult, you continue to earn that love and security by your performance, by what you do. Because the core of your identity has become, I am what I do. Maybe you played sports. I've heard stories about parents I heard one parent say, like, yeah, you know, when I was younger, I didn't get to play sports that much. But my son, oh, yeah, he's playing baseball. Oh, man, I can't. Whenever, when I'm on the field, I just feel it. You know, I feel like my son. And then the kids are feeling this pressure to, to be good, to, you know, to try and please dad. Because he's trying to earn the love of the father. So it's not surprising that many of us end up in this predicament where we find our significance in our performance. As our culture continues to grade us on our accomplishments, our career, our intellectual capacities, we continue to believe this lie that we are complete, we are happy based on how I perform. 
One author puts it this way. He said, America is this vast conspiracy to make you happy. America is this vast conspiracy. They, they tell you this lie. We believe this lie that in order for me to be happy, this is how I have to be. I, um, I remember um, hanging out with a, a close friend of mine with their kids. We went to a Natural Museum of History, and um, uh, we stopped at a gift store. And, you know, they had a four-year-old. One of, that, that's probably one of, one of the things you probably shouldn't do as a parent is go to a gift store if you know you're not going to buy them a toy because you know what's going to happen. So we're there. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I think I was single at that time, so I was just hanging out with them. And she, their four-year-old daughter wanted a toy, and I said, no. She threw a tantrum, you know, ah! just crying all over the place. And, you know, I'm just like, oh, I'm with them. And, you know, but it's okay. I'm, I'm your friend, so I'll be here for you. And, but inside, I was just like, oh, this is embarrassing. But, you know, people were passing by and were, you know, giving that judgmental stare, the, the evil stare. Some people were actually passing by and saying, shh, to the little girl. I'm like, who are you? How dare you say that? Shh. Then there were some people who would actually come to my friends and say, take care of your daughter. You know, like, what's wrong? With, come on, take care of your daughter. And the entire time, I can see my friend, she's just about to tear up because it's like everyone is looking at her and saying, you're a bad parent. You're a terrible parent. You should take care of your daughter. I don't know if you've ever gone through that as a parent, if you're a parent. But the feeling that, that you may get is, this, is the idea that you are not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not a good parent. You're terrible at what you're doing. And you may, you may start to feel ashamed of yourself because you're being judged and criticized on what? Your performance. So when the core of your identity is on your performance, guess what? You fall into shame, depression. It hits home. It hits hard. When the core of your identity is, I am what I do. When people vilify you, it hits home. But you might be here. You might be, you know, I know some of you guys. You guys are talented. At your job, you're killing it, right? You're getting the clients you need. If you really, like, your team, your job, they cannot live without you. And you're praised. They love you. Honestly, if... The core of your identity is I am what I do. Guess what happens? Pride. Guess what happens? You feel on top of the world. If you are what you do, you will rise and you will fall based on your performance. When you do well, you're happy. When you're not doing well, you're sad. And it's this emotional roller coaster that Christ is showing us that we are not supposed to, 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 to have. So then lastly, how can we be free 
from this false identity. Jesus had this remarkable rebuttal to the tempter. He said this in in verse 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. What is he saying to us? He's saying what goes into our mouth, what we do with bread, with food, that is not of utmost importance. But actually what matters the most is what comes out from the mouth of God. Meaning this, what you do, that's what he's saying. What you do is not of eternal um, consequence. Instead, what God says is what matters. And this really is this ultimate reversal. Because our culture, our society, our family members, they would say, they would like us to believe that we are what we do. That our identity is rooted in my performance. But here Christ is demonstrating to us the truth that we, when, when we, once we are anchored in the truth of God and what God says about us, there we find our true identity. And this, honestly, is a direct confrontation with how many of us think about our lives. Because our performance might validate us. It might give us the status we need, make, make us feel important. And it literally provides bread on the table, right? What you do, your performance, it provides bread on the table, provides food on the table. Yet Jesus says to us, if our identity is based on what we do, how good of a parent we are, our jobs, our careers, our relationships, if that is what we base our identity on, it would not stand the test of time. But if we base our identity on what God's, God says, on God's word, then we will thrive. Now, remember, when, when I first started, even as we close, as the worship team comes, I think I said is there are a lot of subtle intricacies that was, that's happening in this passage. And here's one more important thing before I close. The first word in this um, passage we read, it says, then Jesus was led to the wilderness. Then Jesus was led to the wilderness. That first word, then, should lead us to what happened prior to this event. What happened was the baptism of Jesus. It was the moment that Jesus actually went into the river to be baptized by John. John is this prophet or herald of Jesus, um, herald of God, that was speaking about repentance, trying to make people to turn away from evil and turn to God. Anyway, Jesus is in this moment being baptized. He's entering into the water. He's being pretty much uh, empowered, inaugurated to his ministry. And in that moment, what happens? There is this voice 
that they heard from heaven. And it said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. This is the event. This baptism, this inauguration, the voice of God speaking and saying, Jesus is my son and I love him. Before Jesus starts his ministry, before he does anything, before he performs any miracle whatsoever, he's told by the Father he's loved. Not based on his performance, not based on anything he's done, but just who he is. He is loved. This forms the basis of his identity. Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes out from the mouth of God. What comes out from the mouth of God, even to us now, is that we are loved, not based on anything we have done, not based on our performance, but purely based on Christ who has given his life for us. And if that forms the core of identity, if that forms who we are, it doesn't matter if you're praised, if you're vilified. It doesn't matter if you're fired or if you're out of a relationship. What matters then at the end of the day is that God's love for me is there and it stands the test of time. Everything else will up and down, up and down, up and down, sideways, whatever. But one thing that stands the test of time is that his love for us is true and it's there. So my friends, even now, as I challenge every one of us, is that we move away from this intellectual idea that God loves me. That's great. I know that's what so many of us are saying. Yeah, I've heard that so many times. It's in my head. I know that. But that we can truly experience, even just as Jesus did that day he was in the river and he heard the voice of God say, I love you. That we all can experience and know deep down inside that God loves me. And that this becomes the core of identity. Amen. Let's pray before we sing. Father, um, there, um, we are constantly bombarded with messages and narratives lies that make us believe we are what we do and that even now that so many of us including myself have taken on this false identity that believes I am what I do 
Today, I pray, God, that you would free us from that lie and that you would help us to experience the true love of God. And that deep down inside in our very heart that we can believe and know that you call us your beloved. So help us to believe that even now, even by your supernatural power. And help us, God, to receive and experience your love so that we can be changed from the inside and that we can truly live out the life you've called us to live. In Jesus' name. And we all send amen.